0: Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, or if you are finding this for the first time on the youtube welcome to the first songwriter theory podcast that will also be on youtube so if you've been following for a while and you've been a part of the songwriter theory family for a long time and you're listening to this podcast uh let this serve as a notification to you that i am now putting these up on youtube as well as videos so that you can uh watch instead of just listening On your favorite podcast provider. So let's just dive right in. Today, we're talking about a challenge that I want to give you. And that's don't end on a one chord. So, brief review. um, A one chord is, of course, the, if you're in the key of C, it would be the C. Chord. If you're in the key of C major, it would be a C major chord. C minor would be a C minor chord. The point is, whatever key you're in, the one chord is always that first chord, which is always going to be the one that your key is named after. So the key of F sharp major would have an F major chord be the one chord. A G major key, the one chord, would be a G major. So we often think of the one chord as home. And if you've been following for a while, you'll know that I often describe that one as sort of that home base. It's sort of what recontextualizes everything of like, this is the strong home that we sort of come from. So often like a chorus will open with a one chord because it's the strongest. So, you know, if we have a little... That's the end of the verse. So we usually start with that one chord because that's the strongest in context. It always feels like going home, right? So, all right, that feels like home because we're on the key of C. So I went six chord, which would be A minor, uh, five, which is G major. 4, F major, 1. So it's not C major that sounds like home and powerful, it's C major that sounds like home and powerful because it happens to be the one chord of the key that I was just playing in, which is key of C. So we're gonna mostly go off a key of C today just because it's easiest to understand, uh, because there are no sharps or flats, and I don't want to throw you off with F sharp major or something like, what's going on? So it's pretty common, right that a song will open with a one chord, right, so if say you're a guitarist right, and you've ever had that uh not really sheet music, but it sort of has the lyrics and has the chords on it, right, very often a song is the first the first chord that you play to introduce the song is often the one chord, and usually any important part like. Excuse me, the beginning of a chorus is often, again, going to have a one chord because it's that home base. We're back home. It's the most powerful chord that you can possibly have within a key, is that one chord. And because of this, that one chord is the ultimate resolution, right? So to go back to this. Right, feels resolved. So a little part of you probably was while while I'm playing that. Like that sounds pleasant, but then this is nice resolution, right? Like ah, yes, back home. And the main reason for my challenge to not end on a one chord is because one, it's it's the common thing to choose for a good reason, right? At the end of your song, in theory, your song is resolved. So you want the music to be resolved as well at the end of your song, most of the time, right? Makes sense, at the end of your song, you don't—you might not want to leave people hanging. And if you just leave them, you know, Come on come, go 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 go. Oh, there it is, right? So you don't want to leave people just with that with that in that case it was a four chord. Uh, often because you want to give people that feeling of this song is over, it's resolved. We have finished. it is finished, uh, however you want to look at it. But sometimes leaving the listener with a song not fully resolved uh, can be a good thing. Right? Because sometimes the subject matter of the song hasn't been resolved. Sometimes, even though you've told a whole story, it doesn't have that happy, pleasant, resolved ending. Right? Sometimes it might have a darker ending. or more mysterious, right? So in that case, I went back up to a 6 chord. 6 chord, if you don't know. In a major key, you generally have 4 main chords. Uh, You can use a 2 chord and a 3 chord, um, and even a 7 chord, although that's the hardest one to use. But for the most part, a lot of songs are built off of the 1, the 4, the 5, and then six. The six is the only one of those four chords that is minor. So you have four which is sorry the one chord which is major, four major, five major, six is minor. So using a six chord to end can be a good way to uh end your song with a little bit of a, a darker twist at the end. Or more mysterious, as in the context of a major key, the 6th chord, depending on how you're using it, might sound uh, just extremely unresolved. It might leave the song on a sad note, or on just an a unsure note, right? Context is going to matter there. So it's not like, you know, a common misconception is like, Minor keys are, or sorry, minor chords are sad. Well, it depends, right? And it's kind of like, you know, to say, oh, C major chords sound nice. Well, that's true until you're playing in a key that doesn't have C major, really. Actually, that didn't sound that bad, but it probably sounded a little weird because the context was I was playing in the key. Of E major and then to just switch to that C major doesn't seem quite right because contextually in your mind you you know, even though even if you don't know any of the notes that I'm saying and you're like, what on earth is he talking about? You still can hear that probably what you were expecting Oops. to a key change because I probably did because in context you're expecting that C sharp major and wow I missed a lot of random sharps in there but hopefully you get the point um, so you don't always want to give that nice pleasant resolution and that's a good reason to not end on a one chord so in general right the point of your song as a whole is for your music, and your lyrics, and if you're going to really break it down, your chords. uh, Because at the the heart of it, right, a a song, when somebody copyrights a song, it's the chords, the, you know, background music, you know, whether it's a C major, G major, or, you know, whatever it is, those chords paired with the melody, paired with the lyrics, right? So the heart of a song is chords, melody, and lyrics. And your lyrics, melody, and chords together should be telling a story. And usually you want them to be telling the same story. Now there's still some some room for irony, right? Like there are some songs that sound happy ironically, even though they're like really sarcastic and mean or something like that, right? But for the most part, you want your all three of those things to be in agreement on how the song should feel, right? You want to color your song in the way that the lyrics demand. So if your song ends on an unresolved, mysterious note, or if your song ends in a sad way, Maybe you don't want to end with that pleasant sounding one chord. Why would you, right? Because really you want your chords and your melody and your lyrics to all be working together to tell the same story, right? Like a movie, the cinematography and some of the camera angles and, and, you know, without getting into the nitty gritty of stuff I don't understand, you know, the cinematography choices of, like, you know how, like, some movies have a lot of yellow, and it's there's a reason they choose that. Or some are filmed in a way that every scene is, like, darker, because the subject material is darker. But for, like, you know, a happy-go-lucky Marvel film, it might be all a bunch of bright colors, right? Um, But then for the darker ones, or when it takes a darker turn, you know, the... The lighting is different now because it's all contextualizing how you should feel. And then the music in the soundtrack is another thing, giving you a context clue of how you should feel, right? You know, you have that uneasy feeling of something's going to go wrong because of the music, which is a part of a movie, the the context, right? That's what helps pull out your emotions. And you should be looking at it sort of the same way within your song of the lyrics, the melody, and the chords. So, if the end of your song, again, doesn't doesn't have that nice happy resolution, maybe your music shouldn't either. And another thing is sometimes it's good to break out of the shell of convention. Um, you know, conventions exist for a reason, right? Like for, for movies or stories in general, there's like something called the hero's journey. Which is a very commonly used you could call it a trope but it's really a sort of a formula that you know works it's kind of like when it comes to songs right a lot of songs follow the verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus convention and there's some there's some slight variations from that right some don't have a bridge some uh might have a post chorus some have pre-choruses before the chorus. Some have two choruses at the end, right? But but for, for the most part, there's this concept of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then sometimes sort of a C section, right? If you have if A section being a verse and a B section being a, a chorus, you often have a C section, that one that changes it up. And even in classical music, right, ABA is a very common um. Progression. So you have, you know, something that repeats, A, and then B, a different thing in the middle, and then A. Repetition is a big part of music. And and you see these formulas, right? And I think sometimes people are too quick to like break all the formulas. Um but they do exist for a reason, right? So there's a reason. That we often end on a one chord. And why it's not necessarily a bad thing to end on a one chord. And how it can be a good thing to end on a one chord. It gives people that resolution that they want. But, like any other convention, right? um, It's good to try to break out of that uh, when it fits. Right? Some songs benefit from ending on a one chord. Just as... A lot of movies benefit from the good guy winning at the end, right? But some, some songs maybe need to have a little different coloration at the end because the story doesn't end resolved. The story doesn't end with a happy ending or even uh, because again, a one chord doesn't need to be happy by any means, um, but it does sound resolved. So maybe your story is not resolved. So an example of this that doesn't. Uh, end on a six chord could be a four chord. Um, so back to the little riff I was making up before. I think it was right. So I just ended on the four before I resolved back to the one, but. So that's a little less resolved, right? And I made it even less resolved in that case. We're gonna really break it down because I didn't. So in this hand, I actually played an A minor chord, which is the sixth chord. And in this hand, I have a four chord, which is um, the F major. Um, which, when you really break it down, I basically did a four chord, but the seventh chord because I have F. A, C, and E, which if you think about it, that is really the same as an F chord and an A chord combined, an A minor chord. Um, So there's little different things you can do to sort of color it differently, because... Oh, sorry. That has a little bit different color. Because right? that's just a true F chord, a true F major chord, which is a four chord in the key of C. There's a big difference between that and this. Right, I sort of build more tension by giving you this A minor chord as well, making it an F7 chord. Right, so that's just a little example of how you can color it a little differently. Um, This sounds much more resolved than this in context. Maybe not much more resolved, it sounds more resolved. Um, When really the most resolved version is of course this. down to that one chord. So an example of how I use this, I have this song, which I wrote a long, long time ago. It's called Moonlight, and it sounds like this. I'm going to end it um, basically on a four chord. So this is the chorus, and then I'll go into the ending. On a four chord, although I am implying a one chord on the top because we are in the key of A, and I'm playing a D major chord, which is the four chord. It, so it sounds sort of resolved, and the reason for this is is uh, because the four chord shares um, the one note, so it still has the one note, so it has a piece of home. There is some of home in there, right? So especially the way I'm playing it here... Oh, sorry. I have an A as the highest note, which is... um, the same as the key or the one chord. is A. Right? And really, I'm even implying an A chord because I have an E and an A, which is the first and the fifth, of an A chord. Um so because of that this four chord feels pretty close to home but that's real home, right? So That's true home. That's a one chord, but instead what I play is So that sounds, it still has a resolution to it, but it's just not as perfect a resolution as that, right? So I think it's important to at least understand how you can break out of that convention and sort of understand why you might want to, right? Because you shouldn't break convention for no reason. In that case, I wanted it to end a little unresolved. Not totally, though, because it still sounds mostly resolved. It's just not quite there. And a part of that is just sort of an artistic thing for me that, to me, most songs, right, uh, the story isn't over. There's there's always going to be a follow-up, right? We're so used to, you know, with a movie, right, there's the happily ever after concept. But that's not life, right? Um at the end of most movies, right? Even if they, you know, the two people get married, right? That's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of a new story. And when I say there is no happily ever after, it's not that that can't be a good thing. Maybe those characters do stay married until they die, right? But that's not, that's just a start of a new story, right? That's a new story that you have to start. Maybe them being married without kids. And then there's a new another news story when they have kids, right? The first kid. And so similarly, with whatever song you write, you're telling a part of a story. Now it's a story in and of itself, right? It's usually um, but usually a song is just a part of a story. And unless somebody dies at the end of your song, there's probably gonna be a follow up to that. Even if you never write about it, right? Or especially you personally if you're writing a a song that's about something in your life you have the story of the song but then that song in context of your life it's not it's not the end of the story there's going to be more whether you write about it or not that's different discussion but so that's a part of it for me uh but it's also by song I've, i have some songs that i end on a sixth chord because it's it's clear it's very unresolved and it clearly to me uh has sort of a darker ending So I choose to end on the six. So just something to think about when you're writing your next song. Or if you feel like something's a little off with your current song, experiment a little bit. Maybe use a four chord. Maybe use a five chord. uh, Maybe use a six chord. Um, If you want to get really uh, creative, do a two or a three chord. Or a seven. Hey, if you make a seven work, let me know. So, the last question I have for you is if you get to color the emotion at the end of the song, why not? And it's not that a one chord is uncolored, right? It still has a feeling and a color associated with it, but sometimes it can help to give sort of that extra next context and color when you choose not to just end on that resolved one that everybody's expecting and wants. Like, that just feels like exactly what it's inevitable, right? It feels inevitable. But if you can color the emotion of that resolution... Right? Now it's colored very differently, How that, that ending. So you have a chance to do that at the end of your songs. So sometimes it's great to take advantage of that, which is my challenge to you. For this week, I want you to either work on a song or you sort of think to yourself, maybe this time I'm not just going to end on a one chord. I'm going to think about it a little more. Think about why I'm ending on a one chord. Maybe it shouldn't be a one chord. Or if you have some songs that are written, but you're like, well, I'm open to still kind of adjusting some small things. This is really just the final chord, right? Like It's it's pretty easy to change your mind about that later in the process. Think about which which song of the songs I've written maybe would be better served by not having A one chord at the end. So that's my challenge to you. If you were confused by anything that I said in this episode, if you're like one chord, four chord, five chord, key of C, key of E major, what is he talking about? If you're confused by any of that terminology, you're not alone. A lot of people are confused by that, right? But it's pretty basic music theory. And I have a free guide that I want to give to you so that you can know next podcast, next episode, next time you watch me on YouTube. So you know what I'm talking about when I talk about things like a perfect fourth, a four chord, a five chord, a six chord, key, like key of C. What does that all mean? Because I have a free guide that breaks down the four main pillars of music theory. It will go over intervals. It will go over keys, it will go over chords, and chord progressions. These are the heart of music. And of understanding how to do different things. Like understanding what I was talking about today, about how a one chord feels resolved. But you may have never thought of that before. Uh, You just think, oh, this song G sounds good. Like, okay... But music theory, these basic four pillars, just learning those have an unbelievable capability of of bringing your songwriting up 10 levels. For me, I have a clear before music theory songwriting and after music theory songwriting. And sure, I was pretty young when I really learned music theory. I think I was 16 or 17. But the songs I wrote before, there's not a single one that I'm still even remotely proud of now. Um, But ever since learning music theory, I can't even imagine writing music without it. It just helps so much. It's such an imperative tool in order to be um, so confident in your songwriting and to understand um, why things work and why other things don't work and, and being able to do something right the first time in some ways, right? Like how I can just improvise... That's not luck, right? That is understanding music theory. Everything I just did is just understanding music theory. I know that in the key of C, I have these certain notes. These are the main chords to go to. The the transition from this chord to this chord sounds like this, right? Those are the sort of things that a basic understanding of music theory will teach you. And you can get that basic understanding. I break it down make it simple, even have little quizzes in there, um, so that you make sure you really do understand, um, all of the different music theory things I'm teaching you. Totally free, my gift to you, link in the description, uh, it's at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide, all one word. My gift to you because I don't want you to be confused next episode that you watch, And I also don't want to over-explain music theory every single episode for those of you who have gotten a guide, who do have an understanding of the basics of music theory now. uh, I don't want to bore you to tears with my explanation for the billionth time what a one chord is. I will still try to, um, to briefly gloss over that stuff just in case for new listeners and for new watchers now. Um, but yes, my free guide to you. Go check it out. And one last thing I got a great idea courtesy of Paco, who was messaging me. Um, he mentioned how he found the suspended chord episode very helpful. And then he sent me a link to a song that he wrote where he used the, um, Suspended Chords, which is super exciting. Loved it. I've listened to it a couple of times now, actually. Um, and he had the idea of like, hey, maybe a new thing you can do is at the end of episodes, especially if somebody emails you or whatever about something from a previous episode that they used in a song, maybe you could talk about that or you could... Um, you know, maybe play the song at the end of the episode or I I forget what he suggested exactly, but, but uh, I messaged back and said, Oh, that's a great idea. And then, uh, how, at least for now, I plan to do that. Shoot me a message, joseph at songwritertheory.com. If you've written a song and you have a recording of a song, um, where you use something specific, uh, that we've talked about on this podcast, feel free to shoot me an email. And I'd love to be able to include your song and tell people your name and drop a link to that. You know, if you have the recording up on SoundCloud or something, I can drop a link to that as well um, so that other people can listen to it outside of the podcast. But uh, again, as a refresher, if you have a C major chord suspended, is when you remove the third and then you either have a fourth or a second usually. So regular major, that would be a sus two, and then sus four. And if I remember correctly in Paco's song, he definitely makes good use of the sus four, I believe it was. Um, But without further ado, that will be the music at the end of this episode instead of the normal songwriter theory theme, if you will. Uh, So thank you to Paco for sending that to me. Thank you for letting me know because it it makes me feel just awesome that I know that you are out there actually using it and even recorded a song using it, which is super awesome. Um, Really cool. So I will see you all next week. Here is Paco's song. Link will be in the description.